And welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I am the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Kathy Wilder, the Executive Director at Camp Stevens, your Episcopal Camp in Julian. Well, welcome everybody to uh, week two of the Advent season. Uh, we hope you're having a joyful and blessed season of Advent. Uh, and we are excited to have Kathy Wilder here in the studio with us. Uh, and we're going to get to uh, a little bit of an introduction from Kathy to get to know a little bit more about her. And Kathy, one of the things we really like to do when we have guests with us on the podcast is ask them two burning questions. And the first of which is, could you tell us a little bit about your ministry context? Yeah, great. Well, I have the best job in the world. I work at Camp Stevens, which is your diocesan camp uh, up in Julian, as I mentioned. We serve both L.A. and San Diego, and we just love working with our Episcopal groups. And I want to say that because we also serve all kinds of groups. We don't just serve Episcopal groups. We serve people from all backgrounds, beliefs, and walks of life. A lot of people think we're just a summer camp, and we are a fantastic summer camp program for kids. We offer program 12 months a year to retreat groups. Uh, we do outdoor education, ropes course groups, small groups. And we're up there to provide a place of uh, healing and retreat and reflection and relaxation. So we hope that you'll come up anytime and be a part of our community of compassion and love and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Is there still snow at Camp Stevens right now? I think so, and it's getting washed away by some rain this morning, but we had eight inches over the weekend, which was amazing. That's, and that's a lot in Southern of snow. California, everybody. Mm-hmm. It snows here. It snows here. It snows here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for being with us, Kathy. I am a big fan of Camp Stevens, as you well know, bringing groups there every year. And for anybody that's listening that has not been to Camp Stevens, they are not just a joy to visit, but a joy to work with. We highly encourage you to go mm-hmm. and check out our Episcopal camp. Absolutely. Um, so our second question for you today, Kathy, is that we would really like to know if there is a place in this past week where you have had an experience with God, either at work or in your personal life. Absolutely. So I work, I think, in a very sacred place, and that's an incredible experience every day, honestly. This last weekend was just amazing with the snowfall and seeing people's first time with snow. But what really stuck out to me was uh, Sunday, we were doing a spiritual gathering with a handful of folks, and I walked them down to our outdoor chapel. It was covered, this, this altar was covered in snow, and I had we had candles, and we put them into the snow like candle holders. Oh, wow. And uh, th- we made a circle around the altar, and I had my guitar, and we were singing uh, Swimming to the Other Side, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites. And when we stopped, it was an incredible silence in that moment. And I looked around and I noticed that majority of the people in that circle had family members who had their ashes scattered right around us. Mm-hmm. And so we took a moment to recognize that their presence was there too. And uh, I think a bird flew over, you know, it's one of those things where you just, it was a moment of peace and a moment of love and a moment of community that so often captures my heart when we're at camp. So uh, it was really, uh, really amazing, and no, no question that that God was present. God brought us together for that time. Yeah, cool. God in the silence. 
That sounds like Advent. Very mystical of you. Very mm-hmm. Advent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very mystical, very <laughs> sacred. All right, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here, Kathy. We are all gathered together here to talk about the gospel for this week. Yep. And I've learned today one of Kathy's, Kathy's favorite characters shows up in today's gospel, John the Baptist. Oh, yeah. He's a crazy guy. Love that guy. He's a crazy guy. Yeah. He'd be on camp, on, on camp staff for sure. No, I was actually thinking he probably looks like some of our camp yeah. staff members, and I say that in the most <laughs> right. loving way. I just, you know, a little bit of wild hair. Yeah. I don't know about the camel hair, yeah. Hair, but, Hard to get know. camel hair these days. Yeah, more yeah. polar fleece these yeah, right. days. <laughs> I'm wishing we had brought some locust and honey oh, for yeah. the snack on today. Yeah, it's just as an experiential mm-hmm. kind of... Everyone should get some locust and honey today. Yeah, to, for sure. Yeah, think about That'll it. That'll be on the menu maybe next week at Camp Stevens, so go check it out. Check it out. Probably not. A Whole Foods, that's right. Yeah, Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, this uh, Sunday, again, Advent 2, and we are in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, jumping around a bit again, but before we get into the Gospel I want to tell you all, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories, your comments, your questions from this week's conversation and your week of faith discussions and conversations with uh, whoever you're talking to. Uh, you can send those all to us uh, by email, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can also contact us through our website where you can also find all the faith to go resources every week, myfaithtogo.org. Or you can direct message us on Instagram at faithtogo where we ask incredibly probing questions yes you know very profound Mm -hmm. i'd say or no questions at all depending on how busy we are (laughs) so uh we're gonna get into the gospel um this week's gospel is from matthew chapter three so charlotte is going to read it and then we'll give some context just because we've been jumping around a bit in the gospels during advent and then we're each going to highlight a point we hope you take into your week of faith discussion or reflection Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So uh, just some brief context for this uh, gospel today. We're in the third chapter of Matthew, and uh, we're like right after that infancy narrative in Matthew, which is the first two chapters. And so this is the first appearance of Jesus as an adult human 
and the beginning of his kind of adult ministry. So between chapters 2 and 3, we jump about 30 years. And just one small textual note uh, before we get to point number one, which will be Kathy's, is that this one thing that Matthew does a lot in his gospel is quote uh, Hebrew scripture. Uh, he does this kind of formulaic way of saying, this thing happened in order to fulfill this thing, and here's the citation for that scripture. So one of this, this one in chapter 3 is already the sixth time that he's done this in his gospel. Uh, and this is a quote from Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his, straight, his path straight. And that just a, the quick, interesting kind of textual thing about that, this kind of translation note about it, is that the actual citation in Isaiah, if you go back in your Bible to the Hebrew scriptures, uh, it's in Isaiah 40, verse 3. And the punctuation is different in the Isaiah verse than you'll find usually in your, in your Gospel of Matthew, which is what it's citing. And instead of saying, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, colon, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. It says, the voice of one crying out, colon, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And it's like a very subtle difference, but it actually has a significant implication because it's not the place where you're crying out that is emphasized, but the place where you're making the preparation that is emphasized. So just a thing to keep in mind uh, in, in this uh, gospel. And having said that, Kathy has our first point for today. Well, of course, the concept of the wilderness is really personal to me and also, I think, very fitting for the Advent season. I think of the wilderness as a place that's sort of unknown and unstructured and untamed. And Advent's really, you know, a lot about Advent is about reflecting back and going into places that are unknown and maybe even scary or dark, uh, about looking at yourself from all those perspectives. Uh, and so the wilderness is where we start in Advent and where we can move forward in our own personal reflection. Richard Rohr talks about the time during Advent being a time to empty ourselves so that we can learn and grow and renew ourselves and reset into what's next and having the courage to learn uh, during that time. So when John talks about, John the Baptist talks about the wilderness and, uh, when we talk about going into the wilderness, we really look at how we can use this point in time to become the next version of ourselves. Hmm. Uh, John is asking even the, the fanciest of people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, to release and let go of all the things that they know about already the things that they hold dear, the things they value, the things they think that make them valuable, and to repent. And I, I looked into that word, that uh, the Greek word that was used to translate to repentance, which is metanoia. And metanoia is so much more than just saying, I'm sorry. Metanoia is uh, really about releasing all the things you know, releasing the things you've done, and starting over and changing, becoming new. And I think that that, you know, that's a hard thing to do for any of us. It's very hard to let go of the things you know and to really make a serious change in your life, especially if you're living a life that includes privilege or comfort. It's asking you to be uncomfortable and to uh, try something different and to realize and take responsibility for the things that you've done and to really show up and do the hard work to make that happen. 
So yeah, the wilderness is a great platform for doing that for any of us. And I think I love the idea of finding our own inner wilderness and that that is how we can address and embrace Advent. Yeah. Well, and I think that that probably brings us to point number two, which is mine, um, which is a reflection a little bit on John himself. Um, and the fact that what we have here in several different places, we hear a description of him physically in the clothing he wears and the food that he chooses to eat. And then we have his own language later on when he's yelling at people um, and calling them broods of viper, which, which David's going to get into after me. But what we realize in all of this is that John is unabashedly himself. John is a truth teller. And no matter who he interacts with, whether it's Sadducees, Pharisees, or the people, other people who are coming to be baptized, John is going to tell you like it is. And I think that that's so important for us to process and then to consider who are the truth tellers in our lives, who are the people that we meet on a regular basis who continually tell us like it is. And maybe it's people with whom we have a relationship and that we can go to, trusted sages, people who offer us advice and guidance when we are feeling lost or we are stumbling. Um, but maybe it's the casual encounter with someone um, who provides us that opportunity to look not just at our own life in a different way, but in the big picture of life in a different way. Um, and then sometimes I think one of the harder ones for me is when that is actually a mirror that gets held up and I'm looking at a reflection of myself, which isn't what I wanted for myself. It wasn't my goal. And it's that reminder of repentance and turning around um, and trying to do it differently in that. Um, in godly play, as so many people who work in formation will probably agree with me on because I love godly play and a lot of formation people do during the season of Advent each week, you focus on another portion of the story, just like we do as we light Advent candles. But week one in Godly Play, you focus on the messengers. And the board that's laid out is very simple. It has a simple wreath drawn on it and one candle that is lit. And then the board itself is purple and there is a hand that looks like it's pointing to something in the distance. And you set up a city far away because it's supposed to be pointing to Bethlehem and where that's headed. But the reminder as we pray for the messengers is that messengers are supposed to point us to God and they're supposed to point us where we are headed next. And so as we consider John and his truth telling and the fact that he's pointing to Jesus who is coming, the question for me is where is my current messenger? What is the message I'm supposed to be listening to? Who is the prophet that I'm either seeing or choosing not to see as I'm looking for God and as I'm needing to be pointed towards what's next for me? Right. Yeah. And I think that I love what you're saying about uh, just a, the, a concept of being different. Mm -hmm. You know, and we, we talk about the importance of living into your authentic self mm -hmm. and that, and we're seeing here a situation where that is so hard and he's calling it out. He's mm -hmm. saying, be authentic, do the right thing, mm -hmm. change your life. And people are, you know, that's, that's challenging. Mm -hmm. And we know that's challenging, but how awesome and interesting it is to think about it in the sense that that brings you closer to God, that brings you closer to yourself, that mm -hmm. brings you closer to your true calling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, that's why John's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, and you're going to talk about what he says next, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of brings me to my point, point number three, uh, which is just, you know, John really railing against these Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, he's really he's really sticking it to them. Um, I really, the thing that jumped out to me this week was this this phrase, this the brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. So this term brood of vipers, I always thought of it as like, just like the name of a group of vipers, you know, like a (laughs) flock of sheep or a flock of seagulls or a murder of crows. Um, But this word in Greek is actually it like the, the, the term brood is like a thing that that uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, that verb is used for like a, like God's spirit kind of like brooding over creation or like over the deep in the beginning of creation or like a hen brooding over her young. So it, it actually is more like the children of vipers. So it's saying like, you like children of this venomous thing, uh, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So he's saying like you, I want to show. I, I want to talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, not in terms of um, making them the villains of the story, you know, because they were doing their best. They they were a product of a cultural setting within which they were formed and brought up and existed, and they. So that so that I think that what he's saying is not saying all you Pharisees and Sadducees, all of you are evil. I think he's saying, you you that are a product of this cultural and societal milieu that is telling you that this is all a zero-sum game. That's the venomous thing, you know, and I think we still have that today, that we think, for me to have something, I need someone else to not have something. Um, For me to have comfort requires someone else to be uncomfortable and have discomfort. For me to be safe requires someone else's unsafety. And that is very often how it shakes out, and that is what what ultimately leads to inequity in all these kind of different realms. And so what I see John saying is you, all of you that are like a product of that kind of venomous way of approaching one another and of approaching the world and of approaching relationship, um, you that have been produced by that, I call on you to produce fruit that is, that is like worth the weight of repentance. And just like Kathy said, repentance, whenever Jesus is, is, uh, is like telling his disciples or telling us to forgive He's never he's never using the word apology in response to for for forgiveness to be in response to. He's always using the word repentance. So that to apologize may to be to say you're sorry, but to repent is actually to do something different in the future, right? So that repentance is both this like letting go of our conceptions and preconceptions and then this reordering of our worldview, but also that that should lead to some sort of action. So that what John is saying is like, John is calling on people to, it is a call to action, a call to like ethical response to these inequities of this kind of venomous reality, this venomous cultural um, place that, that we are a product of. And so this idea that like, there, it's, he's saying like, you're not supposed to be out here kind of like making your Pascal's wager. Like, well, baptism seems to be the thing today, so 
just in case I'm going to go get baptized and then I'll probably be good. You know, I just want to cover all my bases. He's saying baptism's gonna, baptism is meant to mess up your life, to disorder it, <laughs> and thus call you into the, the like, required interdependence of all creation, that you have to rely on one another, that you have to rely on all this creation around you, that this should push you towards more equitable actions in the future, that you should be moved to go back to Jerusalem and make it different. Mm -hmm. And so in this season of Advent, John is saying, look at your life, you know, in this season of rest, of of self-awareness, of preparation, ask, what is going on in my life? How am I contributing to oppressive systems, maybe? How am I, maybe not directly, but indirectly taking part in something that is venomous, that is causing death and destruction and suffering? And then how can I respond by metanoia, by changing, by doing something different? Because, like he's saying, God's not out there to just get a bunch of fans of God. God, if God wanted fans, could just raise up fans from nothing. God wants us to participate. God wants co-creators. God wants co-participants in the building of this kingdom of heaven, of, in the building of that way that is going to lead to the kingdom of heaven. So we are all laying the stones. God could, God's not looking for people to just be happy that God exists. God doesn't need that. God needs us. God needs us. And so how can we respond to John this mm-hmm. week and in the week's Forever and ever and ever, you know, constantly trying to make progress towards this kingdom of heaven. All right. Well, that is uh, three points that we have created out of nothing. Just out of thin air, we made them. Emptied enough full. Incredible. Amazing. So uh, point number one was Kathy's, and it was uh, the importance of that wilderness time uh, in our own kind of preparation, in our disordering and then reordering of our lives and of our understandings of creation and reality in our relationships to one another. Uh, Number two was Charlotte's, and it was trying to identify those voices like John's voice in the wilderness uh, that are prophetic and that are calling us to something new and the ways that we can be those voices in the world in this countercultural season of Advent. And then mine was number three, and it was about uh, the, the kind of actions that follow both of those things. You know, how can we respond in a very physical, embodied, incarnated way uh, in the world to be co-creators with God and bring about this kingdom of heaven um, that we so deeply yearn for and equity in the world. So having heard those three points, Charlotte is going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all of Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. 
Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. All right. That is our episode for week two of Advent. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you again to Kathy for being here. Um, Make sure you go check out Camp Stevens and all the work that Kathy and the staff there are doing. Uh, to bring out a, a more equitable and just world. Absolutely. Yeah, in a lot of different ways. Um, we want to know your questions, comments, uh, conversations from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org, or you can contact us through direct message on Instagram at faith2go. We uh, ask you to rate and review this podcast to help other people find it. Share it with your friends and your family members. And we'll be back for the third week of Advent uh, for the week of December 15th next week. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everyone. Everybody.